Welcome uh, to this week's edition of Motorsports the Show. We have two weeks of motorsports events that we have to talk about, including the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. The NASCAR playoffs have been officially set, at least for the Cup Series. Had a couple of truck and Xfinity races as well. All of this and more on this week's edition of Motorsports the Show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we had an exciting couple of races the weekend of August 23rd. Starting off with a Friday NASCAR truck race, Dane Smith wins his second NASCAR truck series event at Daytona International Speedway with his win during the 200-lap KDI Office Technology 200. Zane won stage number two and led 50 of 200 laps. Tied with Brett Moffitt with the most laps led during the race. So half a lap were just led by two different people. Austin Hill would win stage one as well. There were five caution, 13 lead changes. There next, there were two Xfinity races and then two Cup Series races in the NASCAR double-double header is what I'm going to call it at Dover International Speedway. The first Xfinity race, well, it was won by Justin Allgaier, who led 120 out of 200 laps during the Dryden 200 at Dover International Speedway, getting him his first win. In 20 races, Justin also won stage two. Austin Centric got second place in one stage one. Six cautions, six lead changes there. The Monster Mile, as Dover has been called for many years, being that is a one-mile track. That is why all of our laps are, like, for example, for the Cup Series race, this is Dryden 311. And it's not some weird math thing, no. It's just one lap equals one mile around the track. So, something you might not realize if you didn't know Daytona, and you're like, wait, why are there so many laps? It actually was kind of quick. Flash-paced racing, so I enjoyed it. I really did. Well, here's the cup race for day number one. It was the Dryden 311, the 311-lap race, was won by Denny Hamlin, who got his first over victory ever and sixth win of the season, leading 115 of 311 laps and winning stage just one and two. Four cautions, 15 lead changes there. Very exciting race. I enjoyed it. Then we have the Xfinity race number two that Sunday, August 23rd. The second Dryden 200 was won by Hoosier Zone. Chase Briscoe, that's relevant because they had the Indianapolis 500 the same day a Hoosier won the Xfinity race, which is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Chase Briscoe won his sixth victory of the year and won stage two there. Ross Chastain won stage number one. Five cautions, 12 lead changes there. Chase leading 107 of 200 laps. Dominant. Chase has had a lot of up and down years, I feel. Sorry, races, because he can go from the highs to highs. I mean, he's won six races, but then you look, and he also has crashed out of some races as well. So he either does very good or very bad. It, it, there's no compromise, which is why I don't think he's going to win that Xfinity Championship. I feel like it's going to be Austin Sindrick. He just seems to be very consistent. I swear he's always like in the top three. The Cup Series race number two. The second drive in 311 was swept by Kevin Harvick. How? Well, Kevin... Won the regular season title, won stages one and two, won Ford's 700th race, and led the most laps there, too. So the Dryden 300, it was very exciting. So congrats to Kevin Harvick for winning the regular season NASCAR title. 
there. Now, I did not watch cup race number two. You want to know why? Because I watched the 104th running at the Indianapolis 500. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've had a week to uh, kind of take everything now. And understand the ending. We're going to talk about that really at the end. But right now, here is all that you need to know that happened from that race. In a couple of minutes, the race began with Ed Carpenter having contact with Zach Feach, sending Ed into the wall, screwing Ed Carpenter's winning chances. A few laps later, James Davison's car had the wheel catch on fire, most likely due to the brakes. I believe it was a like brake rotor or something. I don't know. Anyway, his wheel caught on fire, so the Firestone tires were really on fire. Fireball. Okay, fireball. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Sucks for James Davison being the first. Driver out, meaning he finished 33rd. Then on lap 25, Marcus Harrison hit the ball on turn two, ending his day. 60 laps later, rookie Dalton Keller of AJ Fort Racing hit the ball at lap 85. On the restart, lap 96, Connor Daly and Oliver Askew. Oliver, by the way, had been doing great all day long. They both crashed in the wall with Oliver taking evasive action, but hitting the wall after kind of spun the car. So basically, Connor went off into the gravel bit kind of the track. Anyway, he spun his car, and then Oliver Askew took evasive action, slams into the wall like this. I don't know if it sounded loud, but it was loud, man, on the TV broadcast, and that's why I'm so glad we had that aero screen technology and how safe the car is. And, like, the neck restraint especially, because if that if we did not have the Hans device, his neck would, neck would have been snapped. I mean, it was just BAM! That was a scary moment. I was a bit worried. He was definitely had the wind knocked out of him. He was able to come to the next races at the Bomarito Automotive Group 500 races in Madison, Illinois. But going to be remembering that day for a while. That, of course, being Oliver Askew. Rookie Alex Below, who made it into the Fast 9, was too high on the track in the banking, and then hit the wall. Then in the pits at lap 124, Alexander Rossi made contact with Takuma Sato and was forced to go to the back of the pack due to a, quote, unsafe release. Very controversial there. Don't know how to feel. On one end, he can't do it. He listened to his crew guys. So it was a crew guy's fault for telling him to go. And, uh... Yeah. I, th- I don't think there was really a good way to call it. Really don't. I don't know what they should have done. They don't always call these unsafe releases, too. Uh, so I've heard some people being like, it's like a blocker charge foul. You got to be consistent with these calls, and the calls are not always consistent. That's why a lot of people were angry. So, yeah, so that kind of screwed over Alexander Rossi. Then, with 55 to go, Alexander Rossi hits the wall, ending his afternoon. So, he went from bad, having to get to the back of the pack, to then hitting the wall. So, Alexander Rossi had his worst race. He was always finishing in, like, the top five, I believe, at Indianapolis since 2016. And then, no, he was not even close to the top five in this race, crashing out with 55 to go. Lap 157, 43 to go. Takuma Sato takes the lead, then with five to go. Spencer Pickett hit the turn full wall and then hit the pit road barrier, causing a yellow. 
Now, this is the controversial moment. I don't know. Here's basically what happened. He bounces off the wall and then hits the tire pit road barrier, which is there so they don't run straight into the wall at pit road. It's supposed to help, and there's a bunch of tires. So then he does that, and then that thing's broken. So then they have to put a yellow just to make sure he's safe. He finally gets, like, off the track. The crew's still on with, like, two to go. And then the race has to end under yellow. Lots of people are angry. They're used to NASCAR having the uh, overtime rule. And, no, they should not have done it. Here's why. I forget who it was. Might have been Nick Yeoman. Might have been Greg Wakeshaw. I don't know who it was on Twitter. But they made an amazing point. They would not be able to have a red flag for the race, which was what many people wanted, including those in the media who should have known that it would have taken an hour to get the everything fixed up just so they could race again. What does that mean? Well, you're going to lose your audience because you got to wait in a red flag for an hour. There's no fans there. You have nothing really to talk about. You can just be like, oh, hey, let's uh, re-air all this stuff. And then they would have to focus and go to other... Uh, TV channels because NBCSN had the NASCAR race, so they couldn't go there. So they would have had to go to CNBC, the money channel, the Indianapolis 500 after an hour delay just because five laps under an hour it takes to run five laps. But you would have had to wait over an hour just for them to fix the track up again so it would be safe. So it was a lose lose situation for IndyCar. So, ultimately, I agree with the decision to end the race under yellow. It was obviously sad. It really sucks for this man, Scott Dixon, who finished in second and led 111 out of the 200-lap races. This is actually the 16th race since 1940 to end in a yellow flag. 21 lead changes, 7 cautions for that race. I didn't say who the winner was. You really want to know who it was? If you haven't heard already, winning his second Indianapolis 500, the man known as Takuma Sato. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Takuma Sato getting his second Indianapolis 500 win. Not in the way that he wanted, uh, under yellow and with no fans to celebrate with. But he's still very happy to have won that race. So, here is your field of 33 and how they finish. We start in first. Takuma Sato, second, Scott Dixon. Third, Graham Rahal. He'd been doing great all weekend long. Santino Ferrucci started 19th. He finishes fourth. Joseph Newgarden finishes fifth. The only Team Penske car in the top five. Pato Award, the rookie, finished sixth. James Hinchcliffe for Team Andretti, not for uh, his own Aero team members. No. He finished in seventh. Good for him. Colton Herta. Last year was the first one to crash out of the race. This year, he finishes in eighth. Jack Harvey finishes ninth, finally getting a full-time ride. He's been doing great all year long. Shout out, Jack Harvey. Tenth was Ryan Hunter-Ray. Eleven, Helio Castroneves. He started 28th and finishes 11th. Big jump there. Felix Rosenquist, his best over oval result of the year when he finished in 14th. Well, finished in 12th, excuse me. Apologies there. Marco Andretti finished 13th, starting on the pole. So not the not what Marco Andretti fans wanted to see. 
And uh, he was not really a factor after getting passed by, like, Scott Dixon on the first lap. So all of some momentum from practice and stuff, not there at all. Will Power finished 14th. Zach Beach finished 15th. Jared Hildebrand finished 16th. Max Chillin, my man with the same name. That being Max, he finished 17th. Charlie Kimball finished 18th. Tony Kanaan in his... Possibly his last Indianapolis 500 finished 19th. Tony does want to come back, but he does not have a ride for 2021 yet. We'll be on that uh, SRX experience, whatever that is, on CBS next year, though. Minis VK, the rookie, finished 20th. Fernando Alonso finished 21st. Disappointing for him finishing uh, under the 200 laps, like one down. So he won't be back for a couple of years because he's a full-time Formula 1 contract, meaning he has to race at Monaco at the same time as Indianapolis. Simon Pagano finished 22nd. Ben Hanley finished 23rd. Sage Karam, 24th. Spencer Pickett, 25th. Ed Carpenter finished in 26th. Alexander Rossi finished in 27th. Alexander Rossi, of course, not having the night he wanted. Alex Pillow, the rookie, finished in 28th. Connor Daly, 29th. Oliver Askew, 30th. Dalton Kellett, 31st. Marcus Harrison, 32nd. James Davidson, 33rd. So, I enjoyed the Indianapolis 500, other than the ending, because I wanted it down to end under green, but I understood it. I understood what they were calling for. There you go. We have the first week of motorsports action. Again, we have two weeks of content that we have to cram into this week's edition of Motorsports The Show. Have you heard of Anchor? It is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's a free way to make a podcast. You don't have to pay. You can edit the podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor distributes your podcast to many places, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And you can make money from your podcast with barely any listens. You can download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. After a very exciting Indianapolis 500 weekend for me, I went to another very exciting motorsports weekend. It was the NASCAR regular season finale, the last race. It started in Daytona. The regular season ends at Daytona International Speedway. Very fun there. The weekend begins with an Xfinity race. It was a 100-lap race called the Wawa 250. And I think that's the best name they've had of a race so far. They could be like, oh, we're the Go Bowling 215 on the Daytona road course. No, Wawa 250. Amazing name, by the way. So the 100 lap Wawa 250 race at Daytona International Speedway was won by Justin Haley. Justin Haley, congrats to you. Leading nine out of 100 laps and winning stage number one. Getting your second win of the year. A.G. Allmendigger led 58 out of 200 laps, which was the most, and also won stage number two. So, recap, Justin Haley wins stage one and wins the race. A.J. Allmendigger wins stage number two. Eight cautions, nine lead changes. Bomarito Automotive Group 500 race took place in Madison, Illinois. It did. Worldwide Technology Raceway is the official track name. Basically, St. Louis, you could see the St. Louis Arch from the track. It was a 200-lap race. It was won by Scott Dixon, giving Scott his 50th career victory and fourth victory of the year. 
pedal award led 94 out of 200 laps, which was the most laps led. Six lead changes, two cautions there. We now move to the cup race. Cup race was exciting. Going into the Cup Series race, there were two spots remaining. Well, technically three, with Clint Boyer not officially having the playoffs yet, but he basically had to finish stage one, and then he was guaranteed a spot. He didn't even have to run that high. He could have crashed out of the race and still probably would have won and made it to the playoffs officially. He didn't, though. He actually officially was in the playoffs relatively early in the race. There were three possible drivers then to make the playoffs, excluding Clint Boyer and only two spots remaining. Those drivers, Matt Benedetto, William Byron, Jimmy Johnson. It was very exciting. With eight to go, there was a huge wreck having a Daytona big one. Now, you might have heard the big one at Talladega. There was a big one at Daytona. Basically, Tyler Reddick pulls back. Hits, I don't even remember who. And it was a huge event. Uh, but it was Tyler Reddick's fault. Ryan Newman was not happy after the race. The wreck involved Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, Ryan Newman, Tyler Reddick, Kyle Busch. Kyle had been doing good all day. I thought he might win. He was officially going to finish in the top five, definitely. Eric Jones, Michael McDowell, Ryan Priest, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. were all involved, causing a red flag. Then with two to go, another big one happens. It wasn't as big as the first one, but still big. It involved Jimmy Johnson, Julie Gunner, Matt Kenseth, Bubba Wallace, and I guarantee you more, but I couldn't find out. But I did not know who all was involved. I just knew it was really those four. Once the race was back to green, some cars hit the wall on the final lap after overtime because it went to overtime due to there being a uh, yellow with two to go. So green, so some cars still hit the wall. I believe Ty Dillon was one of those cars. But it was a white flag in overtime, and the race still continued. While William Byron was lucky, man. He, like, possibly had a, like, right flat or something. That was the one thing they kept talking about. Did he get involved in the last uh, major big one with two to go? And he didn't, and he was able to win. So at age 22, nine months and one day, William Byron becomes the second driver to win in the number 24 car. You want to know who the first one was? It's obviously Jeff Gordon. Do you want to know how old he was? Age 22, 9 months, and 25 days. Now, why is that significant? Well, there's 24 days in between the first win of Byron and Jeff Gordon's career ages. So 24 days, ladies and gentlemen. What are the odds of that? You could not write a better story than that. So William Byron gets hit the win, officially gets in the playoffs. Jimmy Johnson... Involved in that wreck with two to go. Has to go in pit road. He is able to come back, but does not finish above Matt DiBenedetto. So Matt DiBenedetto makes the playoffs. So does William Byron by winning the race. Jimmy Johnson out of the playoffs. So lots of fans were angry. And I kind of felt bad for Jimmy. It's his final race and he doesn't even get to make the playoffs. It's not the first time it's happened. But definitely disappointed. I did not, however, uh, I was not sad for Jimmy Johnson fans because when, when NASCAR fans complain on Twitter, like, I hate to call Chase Elliott fans out. No, you don't. Some of you are annoying. And they blame everyone else. It's hilarious when they're complaining and crying about their driver losing, and I'm like, 
There's nothing you can do about it. Your crying is just annoying. It gives me entertainment. <laughs> this makes me sound like a bad person. I'm not. I just enjoy uh, sometimes seeing other people, I guess, complain about their driver losing because they look like little babies. This is like if 12-year-olds had Twitter and lost in Fortnite. They'd just be like, I'm so angry because I uh, insert offensive name here. BB and Fortnite, he's a cheater. That's what you sound like. You keep complaining that they're cheaters when they're not. They're not. It's entertaining. Enough about me yelling about Twitter. Here are the official drivers now in the playoffs. Number one, we're just going to go one through 16. Kevin Harvick wins the regular season title. Denny Hamlin also in the playoffs. He had six wins. Brad Keselowski. Chase Elliott, Joe Logano. Alex Bowman had the win in Auto Club Speedway early in the year. Ryan Blaney. Martin Trix Jr., Austin Dillon, and Cole Custer, and William Byron. So we had 11 different winners. The other five, Eric Almarola, who's been doing great. For a stretch, he kept like finishing on the top five. So Eric Almarola had a great year this year. Kyle Busch had a horrible year, but still managed to make the playoffs because he just kept somewhat. It helped, I guess, before we had COVID, and he kept wrecking out of races. So, like, those four races might have been helpful. He did good in the first few, like, at Darlington, but then there's the whole accomplished Chase Elliott incident, which, again, people on Twitter complaining was hilarious. I'm glad I got Twitter. Kurt Busch just finishes in the 13th spot. Clint Boyer, the man who hates Zoom calls like many others, Finished in 14th. 15th was William Byron. 16th, Matt DiBenedetto. Now, those are the amount of points that they're going to start with uh, playoff-wise. And then you get eliminated if you don't have enough points before the cutoff race. So there are three races in between the cutoff races. If you finish with under the uh, amount of points that you need, you will be eliminated from the NASCAR playoffs. Only 12 remain after the first three races. It's kind of confusing if you don't understand it. Sometimes I don't understand it. Anyway, we're going to now move to that Sunday night. Yes. So we had amazing Saturday. That was a fun Saturday. I could have been watching like NBA and stuff, but I was like, nope, I'm watching the last NASCAR race. And uh, this weekend is Darlington throwback week, which is always exciting. So I'm going to be watching that too. Well, the second Bomarino Automotive 500 of the weekend was won by Team Penske's own. Joseph Newgarden and Takuma Sato led the most laps with 66 out of 200 led. Forget how many Justin Newgarden led. Um, it was boring. I'm not gonna lie. No one could pass. Imagine them just having a race that's a straight line for 200 laps. I'm sorry. I watched all of it, kind of. I got distracted by my phone, so I didn't really watch the race. Because the race wasn't interesting. It was just all in a line. You only won by a p- really... Pinning before someone. That's how he won. So, uh, sad for Tony Kanaan's last race to not be entertaining. Sad he didn't get to finish uh, with the Indianapolis 500 win. This race for now is Tony Kanaan's last IndyCar race, which is, like I said, sad. But he still wants to come back next year, get the proper send-off. Two cautions, eight lead changes. We're going to find out by the end of this year. Will Tony Kanaan return? The answer, I don't know. Finally, the truck race. 
Sheldon Creed won his third race of the year during the 160 lap car shield 200, a worldwide technology raceway at Gateway Park in Madison, Illinois. Todd Gilliland, Gilliland, Gilliland. How did I fail? My, I have a Gill in my like last name. Todd Gilliland won stages one and two and led the most laps with 76 out of 160 laps led, but there was contact by Sheldon Creed, spinning Todd out with two to go. There were five cautions, five lead changes. So once Sheldon Creed spun Todd Gilliland around, he got the victory there. So there you go. There are your uh, Motorsports to Show results. Here are the upcoming races. Saturday, September 5th, was the uh, Xfinity Series race at Darlington Raceway. It took place on NBC and MRN. We're going to get those results next week. September 6th, the truck race happened at 2 p.m. on MRN. The radio network and FS1 and the Cup Series playoffs began at 6 on NBCSN and MRN as well. So, Darlington Raceway. Who got the Darlington Stripes? Who got the victory? We are going to find out on next week's edition of Motorsports The Show. This has been the eighth episode of Motorsports The Show. I'm very excited for the next one.